Chapter Fourteen of the Night Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Night Horseman by Max Brand. Chapter Fourteen. Music for Old Nick. A thought is like a spur. It lifts the head of a man as the spur makes the horse toss his, and it quickens the pace with a subtle addition of strength. Such a thought came to Buck Daniels as he stepped again on the veranda of the hotel. It could not have been an altogether pleasant inspiration, for it drained the color from his face and made him clench his broad hands, and next he loosened his revolver in its holster. A thought of fighting, of some desperate chance he had once taken, perhaps. But also it was a thought which needed considerable thought. He slumped into a wicker chair at one end of the porch, and sat with his chin resting on his chest while he smoked cigarette after cigarette and tossed the butts idly over the rail. More than once he pressed his hand against his lips as though there were sudden pains there. The color did not come back to his face. It continued as bloodless as ever. But there was a ponderable light in his eyes, and his jaws became more and more firmly set. It was not a pleasant face to watch at that moment, for he seemed to sit with a growing resolve. Long moments passed before he moved the muscle, but then he heard, far away, thin and clear, whistling from behind the hotel. It was no recognizable tune. It was rather a strange improvisation, with singable fragments here and there, and then wild, free runs and trills. It was as if some bird of exquisite singing powers should be taken in a rapture of song, so that it whistled snatches here and there of its usual melody, but all between were great whole-throated rhapsodies. As the sound of this whistling came to him, Buck raised his head suddenly, and finally, still listening, he rose to his feet and turned into the dining-room. There he found the waitress he had met before, and he asked her for the name of the doctor who took care of the wounded Jerry Strand. "'There ain't no doc,' said the waitress. "'It's Fatty Matthews, the deputy marshal, who takes care of that Strand. Bad luck to him. Fatty's in the bar room now. But what's the matter? You seem like you was hearing something.' "'I am,' replied Daniels, enigmatically. "'I'm hearing something that would be music for the ears of old Nick.' And he turned on his heel and strolled for the bar room. There he found Fatty, in the very act of disposing of a stiff three fingers of red-eye. Daniel stepped to the bar, poured his own drink, and then stood toying with the glass. For though the effect of red-eye may be pleasant enough, it has an essence which appalls the stoutest heart and singes the most leathery throat. It is to full-grown men what castor oil is to a child. Why men drink it is a mystery whose secret is known only to the profound soul of the mountain desert. But while Daniels fingered his glass, he kept an eye upon the other man at the bar. It was unquestionably the one he sought. The excess flesh of the deputy marshal would have brought his nickname to the mind of an imbecile. However, Fatty was humming softly to himself, and it is not the habit of men who treat very sick patients to sing. "'I'll hit it again,' said Fatty. "'I need it.' "'Have a bad time of it today?' asked O'Brien, sympathetically. 
Bad time today? Yep, and every day is the same. I tell you, O'Brien, it takes a pile of nerve to stand around that room expecting Jerry to pass out any minute, and the eyes of that devil Max Strand following you every step you make. Do you know, if Jerry dies, I figure Mac to go at my throat like a bulldog. You're wrong, Fatty, replied O'Brien. That ain't his way about it. He takes his time killing a man, waits till he can get him in a public place and make him start the picture. That's Mac Strann. Remember Fitzpatrick? Mac Strann followed Fitz nigh on the two months, but Fitz knew what was up, and he never would make a move. He knowed that if he made a wrong pass, it would be his last. So he took everything and let it pass by. But finally, it got on his nerves. One time, it was right here in my bar room, Fatty. The hell you say? Yep, that was before your time around these parts. But Fitz had a couple of jolts of red eye under his vest and felt pretty strong. Mac Strand happened in, and the first thing you know, they was at it. Well, Fitz was a big man. I ain't small, but I had to look up when I talked to Fitz. Scott's Irish, and they've got fighting bred into their bones. Mac Strand passed him a look, and Fitz came back with a word. Soon as he got started, he couldn't stop. Wasn't a pretty thing to watch, either. You could see in Fitz's face that he knew he was done for before he started, but he wouldn't let up. That booze had him going, and he was too proud to back down. Pretty soon, he started cussing Mac Strand. Well, by that time, everybody had cleared out of the saloon, because they knowed that them sort of words meant bullets coming. But Mac Strand just stood there watching and grinning in his ugly way, damn his soul black, and never saying a word back. By God, Fatty, he looked sort of hungry. When he grinned, his upper lip went up kind of slow, and you could see his big teeth. I expected to see him make a move to sink him in the throat of Fitz, but he didn't. Nope, he didn't make a move, and all the time Fitz raving and getting worse and worse. Finally, Fitz made the move. Yep, he pulled his gun and had it damn near clean on Mac Strand before that devil would stir. But when he did, it was just a flash of light. Both them guns went off, but Mac's bullet hit Fitz's hand and knocked the gun out of it. So, of course, his shot went wild. But Fitz could see his own blood, and you know what that does to the Scotch-Irish. Makes some people quit cold to see their own blood. I remember a kid at school that was a whale at fighting till his nose got to bleeding or something, and then he'd quit cold. But you take a Scots-Irishman, and it works just the other way. Show him his own color, and he goes plumb crazy. That's what happened to Fitz. When he saw the blood on his hand, he made a dive at Max Strand. After that, it wasn't the sort of thing that makes a good story. Max Strand got him around the ribs, and I heard the bones crack. God, and him still squeezing, and Fitz beating away at Max's face with his bleeding hand. We believe that I stood here and was sort of froze? Yes, Fatty, I couldn't make a move, and I was sort of sick and hollow inside, the same way I went one time when I was a kid and seen a big bull horn a yearling. Then I heard the breath of Fitz coming hoarse with a rattle in it, and I heard Max Strand whining like a dog 
that tasted blood and is starving for more. A thing to make your hair go up on end, like they say in the storybooks. Then Fitz, he was plumb mad, tried to bite Mac Strann. And then Mac let go of him and set his hands on the throat of Fitz. It happened like a flash. I'm here to swear that I could hear the bones crunch. And then Fitz's mouth sagged open and his eyes rolled up to the ceiling. And Mac Strann threw him down on the floor, just like that, damn him. And then he stood over poor dead Fitz and kicked him in those busted ribs and turned over to the bar and says to me, Gimme, like a damn beast. He wanted to drink right there with his dead man beside him. And what was worse, I had to give him the bottle. There was a sort of haze in front of my eyes. I wanted to pump that devil full of lead, but I knowed it was plain suicide to try it. So there he stood, and ups with a glass that was brimming full, and downs it at a swallow, gurgling like a hog. Fatty, how long will it be before there is an end to Max Strand? But Fanny Matthews shrugged his thick shoulders and poured himself another drink. There ain't a hope for Jerry Strand, cut in Buck Daniels. Not one in a million, coughed Fatty, disposing of another formidable potion. And when Jerry dies, Mac starts for this berry? Who's been telling you, queried O'Brien Riley. Maybe you've been reading mine, stranger. Buck Daniels regarded the bartender with a mild and steadfast interest. He was smiling with the utmost good humor, but there was that about him which made Big O'Brien flush and look down to his array of glasses behind the bar. I've been wondering, went on Daniels, if Mac Strann might come out with Barry about the way Jerry did. Ain't it possible? No, replied Fatty Matthews with calm decision. It ain't possible. Well, I'm due back in my bear cage. You ought to look in on me, O'Brien and see the mountain lion dying and the grizzly looking on. Will it last long? queried O'Brien. Somewhere's about this evening. Here Daniel started violently and closed his hand hard around his whiskey glass, which he had not yet raised toward his lips. Are you sure of that, Marshal? he asked. If Jerry's held on this long, ain't there a chance that he'll hold on longer? Can you date him up for tonight as sure as that? I can, said the deputy marshal. It ain't hard when you've seen as many go west as I've seen. It ain't harder than it is to tell when the sand will be out of an hourglass. When they begin going down the last hill, it ain't hard to tell when they'll reach the bottom. Ain't you had anybody to spell you, Fatty? broke in O'Brien. Yep, I got Haw Haw Langley up there, but he ain't much help. Just sits around with his hands folded. Kind of looks like Haw Haw wanted Jerry to pass out. And Matthews went humming through the swinging door. End of chapter 14